This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. The cream of the crop. Do I have everybody's attention now? This is the Wrestling with Edwards podcast, episode number 11, with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week, we have a very special episode as we will discuss Survivor Series, giving a full rundown and preview and predictions of the show, plus plenty of uh, talking points from SmackDown, Raw, AEW, NXT, and Stardom. So, why not you sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And this week, we are going to kick off with SmackDown. Because, you know, I want, I'm going to end the podcast with the Survivor Series predictions and whatnot. Because I feel like that's, you know, that's the perfect way to end it. And that's what we're leading into this weekend. So, on SmackDown, they had the tease of the year, really, in my eyes. You know, they had Reigns and Drew McIntyre. This was really shocking because uh, Roman Reigns began the show. was talking in the ring about it doesn't matter who, you know, he faces at... Survivor Series or in the future, he's not worried because he is the head of the table. There's nothing to worry about for him. But that's where it, you know, gets pretty juicy to me. And then Drew McIntyre's music hits, and I'm like, what are we doing here? Because as we knew at the time, he's not the WWE champion. And they tease the match. They tease the match in the most epic way possible. Um, they end up ending the night with Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns staring each other down. After Drew, you know, beats Jey Uso. And that's when I was, I was like, okay, so they have to crown McIntyre on Raw or this was all for nothing. And now I know people have said, oh, well, maybe it's a tease for, you know, a future match at a WrestleMania or something. No, no, no. When you have something in the bottle like this that can bring up a Survivor Series pay-per-view that has been under-promoted for the most part over the past month. You do it, because this was a perfect build, it teased it so much, and the basis is pretty simple behind this feud, which is Drew wanted to make clear to Roman Reigns that when Roman Reigns walked out, he was the man that took the mantle, took over, was the man for WWE, he was the man that they needed, and I think that was really interesting, and then, you know, Roman Reigns explains after the fact that, hey... I'm back now. I'm the man again. So, you know, I'm not going to spoil what happens on Raw yet. We're going to talk about uh, one more thing on SmackDown, which was the next member of the Women's Survivor Series team being named. And that woman was Liv Morgan. And this, you know, if you've been a listener of the show for the past 
months since it's been back or so. I've been very adamant that Liv Morgan deserves this shot, deserves a chance to shine because she's a very talented individual. And, you know, they have an upcoming special on her on the WWE Network at the end of November um, called Live Forever, which details 16 months of her career. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they utilize her in this match. Perhaps we're positioning her for a bigger role, which I think she deserves. And, you know, she won this match. And the one thing I want to touch on here is was Chelsea Green returned. She finally debuted on the main roster. But that debut, unfortunately, came to a tough end as she injured her, I believe, her arm, broke her wrist, I believe. And she'll be on the sidelines for a while. Now, I thought this was a great addition to SmackDown. They needed at least one or two more people added to their roster, especially with Zelina Vega now gone. Um, we'll get to that in a second. So I thought this was a great addition. I thought this was one that, you know, we have to appreciate. And it's a shame Chelsea got hurt because now they are down two women pretty much within a week. And, you know, I don't know where they go because she's going to be on the sidelines for a bit. But hopefully when she comes back, she can finally grab a role that they, you know, use her for the foreseeable future. They've kept her... They've kept her off TV long enough. Now, I bring on, I brought up Selena Vega a few minutes ago, uh, about a minute ago, and this is a big topic. She was released from the WWE, and kind of out of nowhere, and we kind of have an idea of why now, which had to do with her OnlyFans account that she created, and I believe her Twitch as well. She. As we know, the WWE really, you know, stopped people, their wrestlers, from utilizing those second-party accounts. If you, um, so, like, an OnlyFans, a Cameo, Twitch, like, they didn't want people making money from that anymore. And for someone like Selena Vega, supposedly she was making more money on Twitch than she was in her WWE contract. So... She ended up tweeting out, I support unionization, and she was released not, not, no more than 10 minutes later. Now, she probably knew when she tweeted that out, and she's had some discussions, I believe, with some companies about this since, and she was really appreciative of her time there. Now, I think what's clear is whoever ends up signing Zelina Vega to their company gets a huge get because she's talented on the microphone, she's talented in the ring, and that's just a huge get. That's a unusual free agent out there when it comes to the talent and what she brings to the table. So I think that's an interesting story to watch as we go down the rabbit hole. I'm going to guess AEW is a spot for her, but Impact as well. Impact is definitely a spot. She could do indie. She could do no pro wrestling at all. But I do think she will continue doing pro wrestling because she's very good at it. So, let's get on to Raw. And this is where the big moment happened. You know, they did a lot of Survivor Series talk. Team Raw ended up losing to Retribution. But there was nothing, you know, of serious note on there. There was no invasion by Team Raw. So, you know, they have to... 
they'll probably do that, you know, tonight as you're hearing this, if you hear this on Friday as it released. They'll probably do it on SmackDown. And, you know, SmackDown doesn't even have a full team. They still have to fill one men's spot and two women's spots. So they have a lot to work to do in their two hours tomorrow. So that's interesting. Um, so on Raw, besides the Drew McIntyre stuff, uh, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke also got replaced on Team Raw. It will now be Peyton Royce and Lacey Evans. So I thought that was just an interesting thing to put out there. But the big... But the big thing that happened on Raw was clearly Drew McIntyre regaining the WWE Championship, officially making the main event of Survivor Series Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. That is the match of the year, at least for the men. And it's going to kick ass in all sorts of ways. Now, who do I think will win? We'll get to that later. But Survivor Series has really picked up because of that. And I think he leads the charge into the invasion on SmackDown this week, and I'm very excited for that, as I feel like those always deliver. And that that was it for Raw and SmackDown this week. Nothing too much. So let's jump in to AEW. Now, I watched AEW. It was good stuff. And I have a few thoughts. Now, let's kick off with... The congratulations going towards John Moxley and the former Renee Young of WWE. You know, as as you probably know now, they're married real life, believe it or not. Yes, that is a real thing. And the big thing was that Moxley kind of low-key announced that Renee's pregnant. That's awesome. Uh, we have John Moxley will be the final member of the shield to have a child with Becky Lynch and Seth Rollins expecting next month. And this is this is great news. Very happy for John and Renee and let's get to what actually happened on the TV show with John Moxley, which was Moxley was left laying in the back heading towards his contract signing with Kenny Omega. And Kenny Kenny didn't want to hear it. The uh, cleaner of Kenny version feels back, which is, you know, that's a, that's phenomenal. No complaints here. And so he gets on the microphone and he goes, no, we're not doing this again. Because if you remember last time they were supposed to fight, last, uh, in 2019, Moxley had the surgery on his elbow, making them have to postpone their match from all out to eventually full gear later on in that match that didn't count towards either of their records, the crazy, extreme, unhinged, whatever you want to call it. So Kenny's playing up the role very nicely. He's not he's not taking any excuses. He's pretty much like, all right, Moxley, we get it. You're, you you got a bloody nose. Like, get over it. Get out here. I know you're scared to face me. So he's really playing off that heel roll very nicely. And I liked what they did here because now it sets up the December 2nd championship match between these two. And we have to wonder who took out Moxley. And was the person that took out Moxley working for Omega? One has to guess yes. So... Got a little tease there. Uh, Orange Cassidy defeated Kip Sabian. Yes. And I, I have an opinion 
about Orange. And now I, I try to stay pretty positive on the show as a whole. And I, I am for the most part. But I'm not going to be positive here. So Orange Cassidy people love. They love him. They love him. And I will agree that, you know, he is a fun character when there's an audience. Because the audience feeds into him. It feels like... It feels like when they're there, he's important. He feels special. And you you just want to watch. But I don't know if this is just me. But I'm out on Orange Cassidy. I find him to be relatively the same every match. I don't really enjoy his matches per se. I don't get excited for them. Like his match with John Silver at uh, Full Gear. I wasn't excited for it all. It was fine. Uh, and I don't I don't know. Maybe it has to do with his relationship with the best friends. Who I'm not a grand fan of either. But the Orange Cassidy mystique or the love has worn off for me personally. Now, that's just me talking. That's no none of you. So, you know, I, I know there's a lot of fans out there of Cassidy. And there will still be a lot of fans. I just want to share my opinion that I'm kind of out on... I'm kind of out on Orange Cassidy. I don't... I think his peak is the TNT Championship. And we can't go much higher than that. Now, the end of the show, we're skipping around here. The end of the show included uh, Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks of Team Taz. And Brian Cage ended up pinning Darby Allen to win the match. And at the end of the match, they're bringing the attacks, bringing the attacks. Will Hobbs makes the run out, you know, as he has in the past, chair in hand. Chases them off, drops the chair, picks up the FTW uh, championship, holds it, kind of like makes it seem as though he wants Cage, he wants the title. I was like, oh, this is going to be a Haas fight? All right, let's do this. And then he hits Cody off the side of the head with it. Officially aligning with Team Taz. That makes a third member. And I don't know how I feel about this yet. Because Will Hobbs is a guy that... I like a lot, and clearly what they're doing, as I'm about to get into the final part of AEW that I loved, was they're setting up for trios titles here. They are set. They have set up so many trios in the past uh, year or so. You know, you got Jurassic Express, you got, I mean, there's so many teams, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to name them all, but you just you just made another one here with Starks, Cage, and Hobbs. And seriously, if you look at any other trio, who's going to stop those three? Like, I love Will Hobbs. The guy's an animal, um, and I think his partnership, it, if anything, it's going to help him because I haven't really heard him on the mic or anything, but having Taz is never a bad thing. So I'm interested to see where this goes moving forward. Now, as I said, Trio's titles and the thing I loved from the show was that Death Triangle has reformed. After Pack returned last week, I asked, hoped, prayed that the Death Triangle was going to be renewed because I think this trio has the opportunity to 
soar and be very popular, be very good. Because to me, when it comes down to it, those three are probably my favorite. You know, Pack, Pentagon, and Phoenix. Like, those three are probably my favorites to watch in the entire company. So them being together, very exciting. And it happened when Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade were, you know, beating down on Pack. Phoenix tried to make the save, and then Pentagon walks out with a chair. Eddie Kingston's like, oh, my best friend, you're here. Hit him with it. Hit him with it. And then he stares at Eddie Kingston and chases him off. So we got we got two new trios there. You know, Eddie Kingston, the Butcher, and the Blade. You got Death Triangle back together. You got so many others. Jurassic Express, like I said earlier. Uh, Team Taz now. Best Friends. Orange Cassidy, like there, it the list goes down, and I think trios titles is the way to go because I understand you don't want too many titles, but the trios titles, you know, presents a chance for some awesome matches, and a lot of AEW's best matches are trios matches. So I'm excited to see you know them go with this. Hopefully, that's where the plan is in 2021 because they have really set up so many trios for it. That to be the only result. And I think a tournament would be very good. And I'd, I'd crown Death Triangle as your winners. With Eddie Kingston, Butcher and the Blade. Or Team Taz being the team to get to the finals as well. Losing to Death Triangle. But Death Triangle would be my first choice as the champions. Because I think those three need to have some sort of gold. So, that's it for AW this week. We are now on to... NXT, and there's only two things I want to touch on this week, but they're two massive things overall. Number one, the Undisputed Era is back. At the end of the show, Finn Balor comes out to address the crowd, and before we know it, the Kings of NXT, Pat McAfee, Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch make their ways out to the ring and say, listen, this is our NXT now. You missed uh, six weeks and, you know, you missed a lot when they were when he was gone because, you know, they kind of ran rough shot. So, understood, understood here. And Finn does this awesome thing. He's like, well, the mice get to run around until the cat comes back. And look what the cat dragged in. And then lights go out, shock the system hits, Undisputed Era is back. They bring the hell to... The Kings of NXT. Sorry for the stutter there. I keep forgetting the name. And, you know, fighting goes on and on until we go off of television. And it was a perfect. And we know where this is going, where I expected this to be going. And that is War Games. This feud is going to War Games. And that's not the only match going to War Games. As we saw or learned, the first match actually announced for War Games was Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice Ray. Shotzi will be a captain of her team. Candice LeRae will be the captain of her team. And we already have the teams figured out for the most part, unless there's a fifth member on Team LeRae. Well, not we don't have Shotzi's full team yet, but we can we can figure it out. So Team LeRae looks to consist of Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell. Huge spot for her, by the way, right off the bat. Love to see it. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. 
and for Shotzi Blackheart, considering who, you know, Team Luray attacked this week, we're going to guess it's going to be Shotzi, Ember Moon, Tony Storm, leaving the fourth member open. And we watched in the one of the best matches all year, probably the best TV match all year. Rhea Ripley, you know, she's done with the NXT Championship. She lost. And I think she would be the perfect fourth member again. But if not her, Mercedes Martinez, perhaps. I think that would be a good choice. I think it's going to be one of those two. But I'm very excited for that one. Very excited for the Undisputed Era War Games. Because you know, they deliver every time that they do this. So I have no sh- no idea of them failing again. And that will probably be the main event. I would have Shotzi and Candice main event. But that's just me. Either way, it's going to bring the house down. It's going to be fantastic. I don't know where they're going to do this. I guess they're going to try to fit in the Capitol Wrestling Center. That'll be interesting, but I'm excited for it. And now let's get to the one part of NXT that I really wanted to talk about this week. Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. This is the match, people. This was the match. This was the match in NXT. This is the biggest match. I said it I said it last week. This is the biggest match they can offer. And these two went out there and delivered in every sense of the word. They had a match that you're going to want to go back and watch if you didn't. Say you were watching AEW. That's fine. This is the match you want to go back to see. And this is why, to me, NXT is my favorite show. And it's this women's division led by Io Shirai. You got Rhea Ripley and I just named all those other people for the War Games match. You have all these contenders and I don't know where Io goes after this. Perhaps she's in the War Games match. Perhaps she joins Team Shotzi Blackheart. We don't know. Maybe they do five people. But what we do know is this match was fantastic. These two put on a show in the hardest of times. You know, having the fans in there helps so much. But these two are just fantastic performers, plain and simple. Io Shirai solidified her reign with the win over Rhea. She solidified her reign as one of the best NXT champions, men or women of all time. The people she has beaten have been fantastic. She beat Charlotte Flair. To win the title. You know. In that triple threat match. That was beating her. Because Charlotte was the champion. She's beaten Shotzi Blackheart. She's beaten Candice LeRae. She's beaten Dakota Kai. She's beaten Tegan Knox, And now she's beaten Rhea Ripley. Who a lot of people. Including myself. Thought she rebuilt herself to the point where. You know. You see her as this badass again. Because she had a tough beginning of the year. But she got all that momentum back. And I don't think she lost that momentum. This match was a killer. It was so good. And I think I want any of you to go back and watch it. The end came as EO power bombs Rhea through the announce table. And Rhea's trying to do her best to beat her beat the clock. Beat the count, not the clock. Um you know, she gets in there right at the count of 10 right before and then EO gets up to the top, hits the moonsault, one, two, three in the middle of the ring. These two 
destroyed each other for 20 plus minutes on NXT TV. They made sure to have picture-in-picture commercials the entire time so you didn't miss action. This match delivered in every sense of the word. I said that before, I'll say it again. It delivered exactly how I hoped. So please, go out of your way and watch this match. NXT's women's division is the best in in all of the United States. Plain and simple. Go watch it. Enjoy it. It was fantastic. Now, let's get to stardom. And then we will jump into the Survivor Series preview. So stardom, I told you last week we were going to have a big, big lineup ahead for you. And we sure do. So we are going to go through the matches of uh, the tag tournament the and the finals. Plus the major, uh, the finals, the championship match. And then the two big matches on the Sendai Cinderella show. So sit back and enjoy. First match I watched was the... Momo versus and Azumi versus Mayu and Starlight Kid. This match was awesome. As I mean you expect it to be with these competitors. But you know, anytime I get to watch Momo and Mayu go head to head, it's exciting for me because you know they're my two favorites, but their styles, they they clash a bit, but they're also similar in some ways. So what they're able to tell in the ring is excellent. And I think I think this needs to be understood that Momo and Azumi are an awesome team. And there's a reason they ended up winning this the goddesses tag final. Because they were so good together. And I think this was a good win for them. Uh so they ended up being Maya and Starlight. Excellent match. And then the final saw Momo and Azumi versus Julia and Micah. That match kicked all sorts of butt. I loved it. I loved it. I thought this was, in every sense of the word, excellent. Because these two teams wrestled earlier in the night to determine if they got into the finals. Julia and Michael literally wrestled right before this match started. They were already out there. They didn't even get an entrance or anything. And these these two teams went 15, 20 minutes and just... Showed excellence in tag team wrestling. It was a great final, and I'm happy Momo and Azumi won. I really am, because I've said for the past few weeks, Momo Watanabe deserves to be in the spotlight again. And, you know, this is this is part of that. They gave her the spotlight. They had her win the tag league. You know, Utami hasn't been able to pin her which is going to be very interesting as we get along in this stardom talk. But, you know, I was very happy with what I saw here. I was very happy with them winning because they were excellent. And if had Julia and Michael won, I would have been fine with that because I love them too. So it was a situation where it was a win-win, but this, this was definitely the right team. Um... Momo and Azumi versus Utami and Saya Kamatani was excellent as well. This was the championship match. And, you know, 
they they delivered again as you expect. And Utami ended up, Utami and Sai ended up winning. But the note is here: Momo wasn't the one pinned. It was Azumi. Building on that story here that Utami hasn't been able to defeat Momo in the past. You know they she couldn't pin her in the five star Grand Prix. Which she, which Utami won. They went to a draw, and she didn't pin her here. So this, the story's building. Now, what I really was really excited to talk about most of all in this whole thing is I told you we'd talk about Sendai Cinderella because it had two major matches for the white belt and red belt. Uh, you had Julia versus Konami for the white belt, and you had the massive Mayui Utani versus Utami. Kaya Shoshita, I believe that's how you say it. I'm sorry if it's not. For the red belt. And, you know, neither match disappointed. Konami and Julia, I might have been more excited for than Mayu versus Utami, I think. And I don't I don't know why. I think I just like the clash of styles here. Uh because I think what they both offer is completely different, and they had to play on each other's styles, which you know it can lead to a great match, which this did, and the the crowd sucked. So like this match would be even better if it didn't. You know they would have been people would be talking about it more. I think, and it, it should be talked about either way. So, the mix of Konami's technical prowess and Julia's, what I think is a very physical um, brawling style, was phenomenal. It made this match a story of who can outdo the other by playing into one another's styles and trying to match them blow for blow you saw julia pull out submissions and holds that you know she wouldn't always use in her matches and you saw konami getting incredibly physical with strikes that necessarily she wouldn't have to always use because of her submission prowess so it was really a good mix here you know they went back and forth in terms of who and what can pull this off, you know, for the white belt, which is the workhorse belt of the company. The red belt seen as, you know, the world title per se, but the white belt, you know, if you look back at their champions, they're nothing but banner celebrate celebratory people. And Julia has had a great reign, in my opinion, and this match may have been my favorite. This match really may have been my favorite of the tournament. She's had a lot of good ones, but it it, uh, it may have been my favorite defense she's had. You know, there was a headbutt in this match that I talked to Alex about, and it... Yeah, see, like, I, I'm quiet now because it... It hurt me. Like... It sent chills down the spine. It made you uncomfortable. 
because you could just hear the thunk. And as a person that has its fair amount of headaches, I would never, ever, ever want to take a headbutt. I would never say yes to taking a headbutt, and I would never imagine what my head would do had it smacked the other head of someone on that sound because it was terrifying. But it added to the match. And ultimately, Julia won by defeating Konami. And I, I feel like this wasn't a match where, you know, you saw Konami pull it out. I don't know who's going to beat Julia. I really don't. There's a number of people. Saya, perhaps, could beat her down the road. There's a, there's a few contenders. But I don't think it's happening anytime soon because... Julie is just so good. And, you know, there'll be a time where they'll just want her to win the red belt. Which, you know, if she beat Utami, I wouldn't be shocked. But this match kicked, kicked ass. So definitely go out of your way and see this. Hopefully, you know, you've started watching Stardom after this. And, you know, that's all I can really say about that one. And finally, Mayo Utani versus Utami. Haya Shashiti. See, I, I'm drawing a blank on what her last name, how you say her last name. So I'm just going to keep going on Otami Mayu. This match hurt me. <laughs> hurt me as a fan, but also brought me joy because it was just so, it was such a good story being told in there. And I think something that I talked about with the Roman Reigns and Jey Uso thing was if you could tell a story in the ring that makes the match so much better. And that's what I believe these two did, while also bringing the incredible ability and hard-hitting and back-and-forth action that you want in a great professional wrestling match. I think that's what this brought. So, you know, you watched it, and it was hard to watch. Mayu has this knack for making... It looked like she, you know, is the underdog every match. She has this impressive knack of selling and making everything look like it hurts. More than it might. And that's a credit to her and how great she is. To me, she is the best wrestler in the world. I will say that time and time again. And this was a perfect example of that. This wasn't a match of who wanted it more. You could tell on their faces, Mayu wanted this so much. Utami wanted to make that huge step. It wasn't a tale of that. It was a story of grit and survival. These two just tried to survive. Whoever was at the end survived the longest and that ultimately was Utami, the new champion, World of Stardom champion. And, you know, I'm going to touch on Mayu's reign in a second here. But this is a new age in stardom. And I think this was something that they needed. Because, you know, they had all these losses over the year in 2020. You know, the retirements of Kagetsu. The retirement of Arisa Hushiki. The death of Hana Kimura. Like, those were three major stars in this brand. 
this company, this whatever you want to call it, this promotion. So, you know, they had to replace that. And they had someone like Julia who was working incredibly impressive. And, you know, she's helped pick up that slack. And then you have others filling in. But you needed to make a brand new star. And that's what this was. When Otami won the red belt, it it felt right. You know, it felt like the right time. Now, I didn't want Mayu Iwatani to lose. No part of me did. Not yet. But it was time. You had to make that star. And beating Mayu Iwatani for the red belt is no bigger win to me in stardom. There's no bigger win. Right now, nothing. You know, that's what beating Io Shirai was back in the day. Look at Momo Watanabe when she won the white belt from Io. That vaulted her to stardom. No pun intended. And that's what this does for Utami. Utami was a star, but now she's a superstar. You gotta have that signature win, and this is her signature win. She is now the red belt champion, and I want to talk about Mayu's run, real quick. But you know, this was Utami's best match I've ever seen out of her. Personally, I loved it. Phenomenal. Now, Mayu Utani, what she did with this title speaks volumes to the type of worker she is, because this was a title run. That for the most part was halted, affected by COVID-19. And what she did with it was, you know, have these historic matches, incredible, consistent title defenses, and some of the best matches I've ever seen during this run as the World of Stardom champion. Her reign... Lasted 377 days. And for those who don't know, here's who she beat on her road as champion. Now, you have to understand there was the big stoppage in between her run. Which, you know, helped prolong it. And I think it was going to be this long either way. But we missed out on even greater matches. But this was a this was a championship reign that... Delivered in every sense of the word. And I understand I keep saying that, but it's true. You know, she beat Bea Priestley for the title last year. Which was great. You know, that's what we all wanted. And she went on to successfully defend it against Kagetsu in a great match. Momo in a phenomenal match. Jungle Kiona. Siri. And Takumi Roja before ultimately losing it to Otami. And the defense against Takumi debatably is the match of the year. The one with Momo is one of my favorite matches of the year. Like, this is what she did. And she also had, you know, not non-title matches that just killed it. So, it's not it's not always about the defenses, but what, what the championship is. What the champion can do with the title. She raised that title. She made it feel. As the most important title in my eyes. Because I came into stardom as a fan. During the. Spring. Of this year. And. 
I ever knew. You know, I watched back into the archives and I watched them grow and Mayu grow and Io as champion. I saw these champions, but what I knew in present day was I've only known Mayu as champion. And she was every sense the best choice to, you know, lead them through a year where you had all this difficulty from COVID to the retirements to the death of Hanukkah She She did everything in her power to keep... keep stardom grounded, keep them moving forward, and keep them as one of the best wrestling promotions in the entire world. And that's a credit to her, the best wrestler in the world, Mayu Iwatani. That's my thoughts on that. I don't know where Mayu goes from here. We do know that Utami will be facing Momo Watanabe at the next major event that I'm not remembering the name of by year's end. And that's, if you're asking me, that's that's everything for me. I can't wait for that match. Can Utami finally defeat Momo? Or does Momo, you know, shock the world and... Not only win her first World of Stardom Championship, but Endo Endo Tommy's in such a short fashion, and her Queen Quest group member. I think there's a story here that, you know, it can't be missed. And I'll break it down when we get there, break down the card. But very excited for that. And you know, this was a great change. Now let's get to the Survivor Series preview before we wrap up here. Preview and predictions, of course. So, this is just something I want to touch on. This will be the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. He debuted 30 years ago at Survivor Series. And now we have this final farewell for him on the show. We don't really know what's going to happen. We just know it's called a final farewell. We don't know how The Undertaker is showing up. We don't know who's showing up with him. You know, there's been rumors of people showing up. It's going to be interesting, but I think it's going to be a deserving final farewell for The Undertaker. And, you know, you can save his Hall of Fame ceremony to the point where fans can attend. I think that's very important. So I think this is a good precursor to that. And I'm excited for it because, you know, The Undertaker is one of the greatest of all time, plain and simple. And what he's done for the business is... Nothing short of game-changing as a gimmick. The best gimmick of all time. What he's done is great. And over the past year, we've seen him humanized more than ever by WWE. And I think it was time because he's he's retired. Like, there's no reason for him to wrestle. But there's always that chance that they do pull an angle here. Whether it be The Fiend showing up or... Something along those lines. There's always that chance. Because if we remember, you know, the Ric Flair birthday last year, they had this big birthday, and we're like, oh, great, whatever. It ended up being the return of Batista, who ended up fighting Triple H. So we don't know if this is really the final farewell for The Undertaker. It could lead to a passing of the torch to The Fiend in one more match at, say, WrestleMania, perhaps. But if, if I'm the one writing it, it's a, it's the final farewell. This is the last time The Undertaker says goodbye, and that's what he should do. But if he wants to have that 
one more match where he can actually ride off in the sunset, that's fine. But I think the Boneyard match was the perfect one for that. He rode off on his bicycle, his motorcycle, not his bicycle. That would be hysterical to watch. He rode off on his motorcycle after defeating AJ Styles. It was a great match, and I think that's the one to end on. So I'm excited to see this. And now let's get into the card itself. Starting off with the Raw Tag Team Champions versus the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The New Day versus The Street Profits. This match might be my most excited... It was my the match I was most excited to watch before the Roman and Drew match was made in terms of the champion versus champion matches. Because this is a match we've never seen before. And these two teams are the best teams in... WWE right now because the Usos they're not they're not going right now and you could say all you want about Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish or Roderick Strong or whatever to me this these two are the best tag teams the New Day have been the the top tier and the Street Profits are falling in that sense and this match is going to be fantastic we're gonna get to see you know Kofi Kingston face off with Montez Ford for the first time I think that's really cool because they do have a lot of similarities in their styles it's, I mean clearly yes Montez Ford's the younger one but that's going to be really interesting to see and I think these two teams are going to have an excellent match I am picking the Street Profits to win this one I think the newer team defeats the older team now it could go either way I'm feeling Street Profits that's just me SmackDown won nothing. Keep make sure you uh, pay attention to that. Uh, then we got Bobby Lashley representing Raw as the United States Champion, facing Sami Zayn, the Intercontinental Champion. This has been an interesting build. You know, these two have been the only two really sending jabs back and forth all these weeks in a row, and I think that's what makes this match interesting. It's two heels. Facing off. And Sami Zayn's clearly going to play the babyface. I think. And he's been tweeting some crazy stuff. And saying some crazy stuff. And you know none of it's been wrong. Now I think Bobby Lashley wins this one. Tying it up. Because we know it's going to come down to the men's match. We know it's going to come down to the world title uh, match. So I'm, I think this is how it goes. And Bobby Lashley's going to win. Bobby Lashley should be the one that wins, and that's that's simple. Now let's get on to the Survivor Series tag team matches. The women's Team Raw versus Team SmackDown match. Very excited as always. So Team Raw consists of Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Lacey Evans, and Peyton Royce. And on the Team SmackDown side, as of this recording, it's Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, Liv Morgan. We're still two spots left. If I had to guess who filled those spots, I'm going Natalia and Bailey. That's my guess, who filled those two spots. Now, if Bailey wasn't in this match, I would go with Team Raw. And the story they're telling here is the Lana part, which I think Lana is going to be the last member of Team Raw alive. And do I think she's going to win? No. 
But I think that's important in this story. You know, which is... What... Where are they going with Lana? And... Does it have an ending here? And I think it... I think this is just the next step. And I think she is the one to last the longest on Team Raw. But ultimately... It will be Team SmackDown winning. I'm guessing Bianca Belair is the sole survivor. And I think that's a good spot for her. If anyone joins her, maybe Bailey if she's in the match. But I think Bianca Belair is the sole survivor. This is where you make stars. These Survivor Series tag matches are where you can make stars. So... I'm taking Team SmackDown there at a 2-1. to one. And then we're on to the men's tag. We got Team Raw, AJ Styles, the self-proclaimed team captain. Sheamus, Keith Lee, Braun Strowman, and Riddle. Versus Team SmackDown, Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and... We don't know yet. I'm going to guess Big E. And if it's Big E, it makes it very interesting to me because I think he has a chance to be that sole survivor. But if it's not Big E, then I think Team Raw wins. So I'm going to I'm gonna go with Team Raw winning because they've been teasing for weeks on Raw that this team can't get along, this team won't be able to figure out. So I think that's, you know... A precursor to them winning. And if Biggie's in this, he should be the at least the last member on Team SmackDown. But I think if he's in this, he should win it for them. But yeah, I'm gonna take Team Raw, tying it up 2-2. And then we get to the women's championship match, which I'm excited for. It's gonna be another time we see it, but this time, you know, the roles are a little different. Oscar's the babyface, Sasha Banks is the babyface, and these two have had excellent chemistry all year long in their matches, and this will be the best yet, I think. I'm calling that now. I think this will be the best match between these two. I think Oscar wins, giving Team Raw a 3-2 advantage, but this is one that I'm not too sure of. I could see Carmella interfering, but I'm definitely questioning where this one goes. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take Asuka. Making that a 3-2 for Raw. And here you come down to Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. The winner of this either ties it for Survivor Series. Which I feel like you should have an odd number of Survivor Series matches like these. But that's fine. Uh, Drew McIntyre, the WWE Champion, representing Raw, versus Roman Reigns, the Universal Champion, representing SmackDown. This is this is the match, people. This is a match that been a year in the making per se because they're telling the true story. Drew McIntyre had to be the guy they needed. And while I do think that 
Bailey and Sasha Banks filled in that role more than Drew McIntyre as the faces of the company. They, you know, they helped replace Becky more than anything, I guess. But this this is the match. These two are going to beat the hell out of each other. They are two of the most physical competitors WWE has today. And it's going to be a great match. And I expect a shady finish. But I expect Roman Reigns to come out on top. Whether it be Jey Uso running in or Jimmy Uso running in or someone running in, causing a distraction for Drew McIntyre. Maybe even Sheamus. They've teased Sheamus. Sheamus gave Drew his uh, kilt and sword, which was awesome. Great entrance on Raw. So there's a chance neither of them walk out winner. You know, Raw wins the night. But it could go any way. But I'm taking Roman Reigns. Tying up the night. 3-3, creating no brand supremacy whatsoever. But I think we're on, we're on, we're going to be on hand for a very special Survivor Series event. I think Survivor Series for the past four years, it's probably been the best show three of the past four years for any year. Any pay-per-view on WWE, not including NXT TakeOvers? I think that's a fair statement, so... You know, I'm excited for this, and I think it's going to be a great show. This was the Wrestling with Edwards podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Scotty Wrestling. Um, that's S C O T T Y W R A S S L I N. You can, you know, follow me with my articles on the last word on sports.com slash. Pro wrestling. Um, I cover mostly WWE, AEW, and I dazzle with a little bit of stardom recently. You can also catch this podcast on any of your favorite podcast things, whether it be Anchor or Apple Podcast or Spotify or yada, yada, yada. And that's thanks to our partnership with. Chops, kicks, and near falls. We are on the Dragon Suplex Network. You can watch this here every single week. Or, of course, you can follow our feed on Anchor, which is probably where most of you saw me. But definitely check out the Dragon Suplex Network because there's a number of podcasts on there that are truly phenomenal. And we thank um, Chops, kicks, and near falls for that partnership. So... This was episode 11. It was a long show. Longest show since I've been back. And it was a journey. It was a joy. I want to say to all of you, be safe. Be smart. And have a good week, everyone. We'll be back next week talking Survivor Series results and much more. See ya.